Hello everyone. Today we are going to address another significant aspect of the poverty cycle, housing. Housing is important for everyone and there should be equal opportunity for all to rent or buy houses or apartments. However, just like in education, which we discussed in our last episode, we see racial disparities in this as well. How is it that after Jim Crow and redlining that we still see these differences in race? How can we solve this issue and make sure that these inequalities between races and housing are gone? My name is Jaya Bardwaj, Matt Ferrer, and Rohan Gupta, and we want you to continue the conversation. So last week we talked about racial disparities in education. How does housing relate to this topic from last week? Well, we briefly discussed how segregation and racial disparities in schools stem from the most fundamental form of school choice, which is housing. And housing is important for a variety of reasons like economic prosperity, but also for its role in creating segregated communities. We debunked a misconception about Brown versus Board of Education last week with segregation. Is there a similar misconception about the 1968 Fair Housing Act? There definitely is. I think we should start off with a quick explanation of redlining. Redlining is the systemic denial of various services by federal government agencies, local governments, as well as the private sector, either directly or through the selective raising of prices. The 1968 Fair Housing Act was established with the intention of prohibiting discrimination concerning the sale, rental, and financing of housing based on race, religion, and national origin of sex. An article from The New Yorker talks about the unfulfilled promise of the Fair, Housing, the Fair Housing Act. It basically delved into how even though the act had been passed, realtors and neighborhood associations were still finding ways to segregate neighborhoods and prevent BIPOC and other POCs from moving in. And that is a prime example of racial steering. So what exactly is this idea of racial steering? Racial steering is basically when a real estate agent would intentionally guide prospective home buyers towards or away certain neighborhoods solely based off of their race. What are some examples of this idea? Um, well, think of it as this. Rather than encountering white-only signs as it was before the Fair Housing Act, they now encounter a covert series of barriers. Blacks who inquire about an advertised unit may be told that it had just been sold or rented. They may be shown only the advertised unit and told that no others are available. They may only be shown houses in black or racially mixed areas and led away from white neighborhoods. They may be quoted a higher rent or selling price than whites. They may be told that the selling agents are too busy and to never come back later. Their phone numbers may be taken but a return call may never be made. They may be shown units but offered no assistance in arranging financing. Or they simply may be treated brusquely or discordously in hopes that they will leave. This even happens online and through advertisement. Facebook played a part in this too recently. A 2016 investigation showed that Facebook allowed advertisers to exclude users from seeing housing ads based on race and ethnicity. After legal action was taken against the company, it stopped landlords from discriminating in March of 2019. So what are the effects of this implicit and subtle discrimination on minorities? 
I think gentrification is definitely one of the biggest effects of this subtle discrimination against minorities. And gentrification is defined as the process of changing the character of a neighborhood through the influx of more affluent residents and businesses. Gentrification seems like a nice idea though. But what does this have to do with racial disparities in housing? What effects are we seeing from this idea? Well, gentrification is actually a really interesting idea. I see it as part of the white elitist savior complex, where white elitists try to solve others' problems with their own solutions. It is a perfect example of the co- Cobra effect, and if you, Google, you should Google it if you haven't heard of it. It's when people try to solve problems with solutions, but it actually ends up backfiring and furthers the problem. And just to go off of that, gentrification and race go hand in hand. Typically, whiter Asian Americans move into historically black areas. Landlords increase rents, which eventually forces low-income people of color to have to move out since they typically can't afford to renew their leases or pay the rent. I also haven't heard people talk about this enough, but gentrification can have significantly damaging health effects on black people. The CDC conducted a study on this. Vulnerable populations typically have lower life expectancies, higher cancer rates, more birth defects, etc. These populations are also more likely to be exposed to unfair residential exposures like hazardous substances because of lead paint. They can have limited access or availability to the following. Affordable healthy housing, healthy food choices, transportation choices, quality schools, walking pads, good doctor's offices and hospitals, and exercise facilities. With all of this in mind, it makes sense why gentrification would also have a significant impact on mental health. A study from the New York Department of Health found that hospitalization rates for mental illness are two times as high in displaced people versus those who are able to stay in their neighborhoods. This is one of the first U.S. studies to conclude that there are hidden mental health consequences of gentrification. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I, I really thought that gentrification would be good for neighborhoods. Uh, what other problems are we seeing with housing, though? There's actually a lot of problems with trying to attain home ownership. Uh, one stat tells us that of every 100 times that agents discussed a fixed-rate mortgage, 89 of the discussions were with whites only. And of 100 times that adjustable-rate loans were brought up, 91% of the discussions excluded blacks. And if you know anything about personal finance, you understand that these are the two most common, if not primary, loans secured for home ownership. You can have a solid income and a house in mind, but without that loan, home ownership is out of the picture. Can they try to move out of the neighborhoods that are not getting mortgage loans and cost less? Realistically, they can't. If blacks try to move out of their neighborhoods and attempt to integrate, they're met with several barriers that make it difficult for them to move into white neighborhoods. It is racial steering and the auditing discrimination that is the modern-day redlining. So, how does all of this segregate neighborhoods? Well, we already discussed the barriers they have to overcome, and it's tough enough for blacks to overcome those to move into white neighborhoods. But if they do get over these barriers and integrate, then another problem occurs. Whites support integration, but at a very limited rate. If a neighborhood is 7% black, then 13% of whites are unwilling to move into the neighborhood. If the neighborhood is 30% black, then 59% would be unwilling to move in, 44% would feel uncomfortable, and 29% would try to leave. A 30% black neighborhood is beyond the point of toleration for white people. And the closer the neighborhood gets to a 50-50 rate, then the worse it gets. 
So once blacks start moving into white areas, whites actually move out and refuse to move in, leading to another majority black neighborhood. So back to square one, segregated once again. And socioeconomic status doesn't help things much either. Black families annually earning at least $50,000 were just as segregated as those earning less than $2,500. Indeed, black families annually earning more than $50,000 were more segregated than Hispanic or Asian families earning less than $2,500. So socioeconomic status is definitely not a part of this issue. All of these individual cases add up to give you a segregated nation. In six of the ten largest urban areas in the country, blacks are defined as hyper-segregated, hyper-segregated, sorry, meaning they are segregated in more than four aspects. Wow, that's unbelievable. I I did not know that. But do we have any real-life examples of the segregation? So in one of my classes last semester, we watched a show called Explained, and it was an episode on the racial wealth gap, and Senator Cory Booker told a story about when his family was trying to buy a house. So his parents are trying to get a house in 1969, but whenever they'd meet with a realtor, they would only be shown houses in predominantly black neighborhoods. If Booker's parents ever asked about a specific house in a predominantly white neighborhood, they were always told that it had already been sold. So they came up with a plan. They participated in a sting operation with a civil rights group, So a white family, on behalf of the Booker family, made an offer on a house in a predominantly white neighborhood. On the day of the closing, Booker's father showed up with a lawyer. This made the realtor so angry to the point where he actually punched the lawyer in the face. And then the realtor's dog dog attacked Booker's dad. The realtor was convinced that a black family moving into a predominantly white neighborhood would bring down real estate rates. Booker's family ended up getting the house, and he describes how the house built wealth incredibly. This is something he said from the episode. Going from poverty to being very comfortably in the middle class in the United States of America and really thriving, it was a big deal. But unfortunately, that's not the same story for the majority of black homeowners in America. But it shows how their lives could be if they didn't face discrimination when trying to buy a house. Wow, so from all of this, we can see that segregation is still obvious even after the Fair Housing Act in 1968. But like addressing racial disparities in education, how can we solve this housing problem? Well, um, we could strengthen enforcement for fair housing, especially enforcing the Fair Housing Act. HUD must take action against systemic racism, and they have to hold these real estate owners and landlords accountable. Sentiments about integration need to match the systems by which it is brought about. Standardized realty practices, that's what has to happen and identify, penalize, and reform discriminatory realty and housing agencies. Housing is one of the most crucial aspects of the poverty cycle. It is a way of acquiring wealth and achieving economic prosperity. If the issues in housing aren't addressed, then breaking the cycle becomes a lot more difficult. And thanks for listening. Tune in for a 4th of July special, where we will talk about Trump and how he formed a white coalition that helped him become president in 2016.